Welcome to Navigating Your Child's Education, a podcast for parents, grandparents, and anyone raising or influencing young people. Today, we're discussing skilled trades. With us, we have two very special guests that are very involved in this field. First, I'd like to introduce Scott Laszlo. Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you do now. Uh, yes, thanks for uh, having me on the show, uh, Laura. I currently teach uh, welding at Columbus State Community College. I'm an associate professor. But my background actually started in high school as a, a welding student at the Licking County Joint Vocational School, which is now known as CTEC. And uh, did two years there, so junior and senior in high school uh, through that program. Once I graduated high school, I went right into a four-year apprenticeship program uh, with the local 24 Sheet Metal Workers Union. Worked 10 years for the Sheet Metal Workers. Uh, During that time, I uh, worked from being a welder all the way up through project management. So I became a project manager uh, through that endeavor. Uh, Went on to teach high school uh, welding uh, at the Delaware Area Career Center, where I spent six and a half years as their welding instructor. Actually opened that program from being closed uh, and have now spent the last 11 years at Columbus State. And what do you do now at Columbus State? So now I currently uh, coordinate our skilled trades program. And in that program, we have electrical, plumbing, carpentry, as well as welding. We have two uh, degree paths, facility maintenance, as well as uh, the welding program. And we currently have on average between 200 to 300 students per year that go through the program. Thank you. We also have with us Brad DeMint. Brad, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Very neat to be invited to do something like this. So um, I graduated high school and I did what I was supposed to do. I went to college and college I wasn't for me. You know, I went there and I wasn't the study kind of guy. So, um, after a few half-hearted failed attempts, uh, finally went to a trade school. It was called Hobart Institute of Welding Technology. So I gave that a shot. My parents said that was my last, uh, my last shot. I needed to get my butt in gear. So uh, I never went to a trade school. I didn't go into any technical education before that, um, but something, something ignited in me. So I started learning with my hands, and I really enjoyed it. Um, got a completion certificate from there, and then I got my first real job uh, welding race cars out in uh, Lafayette, Indiana. So top fuel dragsters and funny cars for the NHRA. So, um, you know, six months of welding school. And then next thing you know, I'm welding on race cars that I see on TV. So that was a very cool experience, um, for the top level there. I was there for about a year and a half, learned, um, quite a bit of welding and fabrication there from some of the top people, um, that I still know to this day, excellent welders and, uh, the, how critical things were built in that kind of industry was a great learning curve and a great platform to learn from. Uh, after that, I came back to Ohio, worked for a um, subcontractor that did a lot of cryogenic work for NASA. So uh, did a stainless steel TIG welding there. After three and a half years, I was uh, the shift uh, welding supervisor and um, really enjoyed that. But we there, we had a lot of work. We got, you know, paying good wages and we just couldn't hire anybody skilled enough to do what we were doing. So the welders that came in, uh, I was in charge of hiring them and 
one out of maybe 20 had the skills to do what we needed to do and we didn't have time to train. So uh, that's when I started looking into education. Uh, you know, we got these jobs that pay good wages, yet nobody can fill them. So, I mean, obviously it comes to education. So I uh, looked at the uh, ads and found a welding instructor position. Never thought in a million years I'd have a shot at it because I didn't go to school to teach. Um, but I applied. Worst that could happen is they say no. Um, but lo and behold, Scott was moving to Columbus State and there was a high school position. I applied and ended up getting it. So um, my path is pretty cool because welding opened up all the doors for the racing, for the NASA and educating. And those are three doors I never thought would open and three doors I never pursued. But uh, the welding career path that I took um, allowed those doors to open. That's what's kind of neat about welding. You don't know where it's going to take you. So uh, right now I'm uh, at the Delaware Area Career Center, welding instructor, teach juniors and seniors in high school. Uh, in that time frame, uh, I've worked with Scott at Columbus State, became an adjunct welding professor. So I teach there in the nights, done that for about the past five years. Um, I coordinate the uh, adult education program at the Delaware Area Career Center. So that's when adults can come in and learn how to do um, welding, either a part time or full time program. Um, so they can change their career uh, and do a 600 hour course, or they can come in for 21 hours and kind of get a, um, I call it a test drive. See if it's something that they like, see if it's something they want to do. Maybe they have a machine in their garage. They don't know how to operate it. So um, that's open to the community. And last but not least, I have a little side gig of my own that I go out in the nights and weekends when I do have free time and uh, do some welding jobs as well. So welding's treated me good. I, I enjoy it. I eat it, breathe it, do it day and night. So you both have backgrounds in welding. When I think of the skilled trades, I think of HVAC, electricians, plumbers, welders, but what am I missing in skilled trades? What are some of the other things that maybe aren't talked about as much or people don't consider when they're thinking about skilled trades? Uh, I work at a career center and all the programs we have are skilled trades. So there's about 24 programs where I work and some skilled trades that people don't even realize or think of. Like the first one I think of is nursing. That is a skilled trade. Dental, your dentist, that is a skilled trade. Um, we have cooking. We have cosmetology. Anything that is a specialty and takes skill is a skilled trade. I mean, obviously, your auto technicians and your constructions and your welders are the ones that might come to uh, the top of your mind. But we also have firefighting and law enforcement. So they're a specialty. And they need uh, special training, special education in order to... Um, get you started in that career field and really in all the career fields you start and who knows where it's going to take you. So um, those are just some of the ones that we offer. Obviously at Columbus State, uh, Scott talked about the carpentry and the electrical and the HVAC, like you said. Um, but yeah, anything that takes a little bit of special education and basically uh, can pinpoint a category um, to make you better at it. So all those are skilled trades. I would just follow up on that by saying, if you look at technical education, so take, for example, when a person decides that they want to go to college and they're entering in and they're meeting with an advisor for the first time and the advisor basically asks them, what do you want to do? And they start looking through a catalog. If it has the word technical next to 
the course of study, you're looking for a trade application, whether that be skilled in the terms of what we like to classify working with our hands, or it could even fall under the umbrella of construction management. You could look at architecture, you could get into drafting, you can get into, as Brad said, the medical fields from dental hygienists to nursing to um, allied health. Uh, there's a lot of fields out there that fall within a trade background. So it really just takes uh, talking uh, with either a counselor, an advisor, uh, even an instructor to figure out uh, what what does exist and how it can best suit uh, an individual. So um, I think we're very quick to dismiss and, and categorize uh, certain career paths based on what we think a job title is. It seems like so much of our society has shifted to service industries, and it almost feels like skilled trades have fallen by the wayside. What place do you think that trade skills have in our society today? When I was actually pursuing welding as a young uh, high school student, I was encouraged to not take welding. I was told that I would be unemployed within three years of being in that profession. So we've had a very long history in our country of discouraging people from working in the trades in general. So what basically has happened is all of our, our workforce, our, our blue collar workforce for lack of better terms has aged and they're aging out. And because of uh, that number one reason, there are so many opportunities now for a person to pursue in the trades. It's not that the work has uh, blossomed. It's not that we've had an industrial revolution where we've created all of these new jobs. The reality of it is, is we have a, an entire workforce that has spanned across multitudes of markets where they are aging out and they're retiring in droves and we do not have enough people to replace them. And if more individuals do not start, for lack of better terms, picking up the torch, we are going to see a very uh, real uh, worker shortage in our country and things that we honestly take for granted will become very hard to come by. I just want to take a minute and let you know about a free guide to paying for a private Christian education. Perhaps you're curious about sending your children to Worthington Christian School, but assume the cost is prohibitive. Before you rule it out, I encourage you to check out worthingtonchristian.com forward slash AffordWC to download a free guide to our financial aid program, 529 accounts, Ohio's Ed Choice Scholarship Program, and more. That's worthingtonchristian.com forward slash a four WC. Now back to our show. Brad, you mentioned not finding workers that were skilled enough for the work that you were trying to hire. And you both mentioned shortages in some of these trade industries. 
Talk numbers to me. What is it looking like right now? What kind of shortages is our country facing? Well, my phone rings almost weekly from employers wanting my high school students. They say, I I have jobs. I can't get enough people to come in to get jobs. So I tell my students, and I've told them for the past, you know, five, eight years, I said, as long as you come into this program, you get as much as you want or get as much out of it as you can, you'll never be unemployed for the rest of your life. I tell them, you know, you're going to start out making roughly $15 to $18 an hour. And I said, the good thing is that's the least you will ever make your whole entire life. That is one thing as far as the worker shortage is, as Scott mentioned, a lot of people's retiring. And then when I graduated back in uh, 2000 or the early 90s, there was a huge push to college. And college isn't a bad thing by any means. But during that time, counselors were saying college, college, college. Nobody was getting education on a skilled trade. So that, I, that, that's why we're where we're at. Everybody's retiring and nobody's there to pick up where they left off. And so there's a huge workers uh, gap into skilled trades. I tell my students they made a smart choice for, for being here. Number one, you're always going to be employed because there's a huge need for it. And number two, if you're good at what you do, someone's going to pay you for those skills. And that's why you're never going to be unemployed. So um, that's where we're at. And that's where I think it's getting better. Uh, I think the skilled trades name is, you know, kind of everybody has a stigma regarding it. Um, And I think that stemmed from, I don't know, the 70s and 80s and 90s. You know, if you go to a skilled trades training school, then you weren't college material. That's not the case anymore. And I think, you know, people like uh, Mike Rowe is a huge advocate for skilled trades who did dirty jobs that a lot of people are familiar with. And he's starting to make a, a good name for us or, you know, hopefully people are starting to come around to understand that skilled trades, you can make a really good living, uh, make a decent wage and you don't have any college debt. Um, so people are starting to come around to that. And but I think we still have a long way to go, though. So right now, if you look at the welding profession, just the job title. So if you go, for example, go to the Ohio Bureau of Labor Statistics and just type in welding, cutting, soldering, brazers, and that's a job title that we would fall under. Currently, we're short nationwide over 300,000 welders. That's just for that job title. Once we include that, the welding skill and we cross that over to other occupations such as sheet metal workers, millwrights, plumbers, pipe fitters, iron workers, etc. We're now upwards of 1 million people short just that do welding of some sort. That does not count our electricians, our carpenters, our uh, plumbers. All of those occupations are approaching over 600,000 workers shortage nationwide. So when we talk about the skill, uh, skilled labor shortage, these are not over-exaggerated numbers. This is documented through the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The sh- most shocking thing I, th- I think people will find is that, again, this is not because of new growth. This is because of our aging workforce and the projected growth of 2 to 3% annually uh, for just maintaining what we currently have. 
So when you look at that and take into consideration the jobs that a person can pursue and the careers that they can pursue, there, there's a lot. And what we're finding with a lot of young people today is they are picking the place that they want to live prior to ever having a job. So if we can help people understand that these jobs exist and they want to live in Malibu, Hawaii, they can look and, and see what the cost of living is, the job markets, and they will probably find that welding and, and the trades are, are needed in those areas. So uh, the millennial generation, yeah, go and uh, pick your place you want to live and pick a trade. How much do you think that has to do with the stigma that Brad mentioned? When I think of skilled trades, I do think of the word stigma that comes to the surface. But why is that? A lot of it has to do with dirty hands. The majority of the skilled workforce goes to work clean, comes home dirty. They're tired. They're susceptible to extreme cold, extreme heat. We are in less than optimal working conditions. That is a reality. We are paid very well because of that. Skilled tradespeople are also to blame for why there's such a shortage. Many skilled tradespeople encourage their own children, do not do what I do. It is such hard work. There's a better way of life. There's an easier way to do uh, work. You don't have to work as hard as I do. And their kids listened. And society really embraced that message. So it's not just the overall culture. It's also the culture within the trades itself and just wanting a different life for their own children. So that message did stick. So there are some drawbacks. The environment might not be ideal. The work itself is difficult. But what is the payoff? You mentioned that there are good wages out there. What do you think that people don't know perhaps about the wages? Skilled trades um, provides opportunity to make some really good wages. Um, there, there's pros and cons to that because the, the one thing I don't like about it is students come to my class sometimes, they read an article that somebody made $100,000 a year, six figures being a welder. I think that's great. I mean, it's good to see that headline. You got, it's great to see that opportunities there, but don't expect to make those wages your first year. Um, that's what I tell my high schoolers that I teach uh, at the college level. I said, you got to put in your time and, you know, eventually you have the opportunity to make those kinds of wages, but it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, the other thing is, if you want to make those kinds of wages, it's obtainable, but you have to work hard for it. You're not going to be able to work a, a nine to five and then make six wages, six figure wages uh, working the factory down the road. Uh, more than likely, you're going to have to be working 16, 18 hour days. You're going to be traveling. You're going to be working seven days a week. Um, and in all reality, that is not out of the norm in skilled trades. If you're a skilled trades worker, more than likely, you might be on a construction site. And at a construction site, they don't want that to last, you know, years and years and years. They want to get in, get it done, move on to the next thing. So that's where those seven days, weeks come in, come into play. And that's where the long hours are. But with long hours, guess what you get? Get overtime. Okay. That's where you make those big bucks. If you travel, you don't go home every night. 
you get paid per diem. You get paid extra money because you're always on the road. So uh, the wages are great, but it got you have to analyze your life. If that's you're going to have to give something up in order to to make those big wages most most of the time. So um, you really just have to analyze: Do I want do I want to work forty hours a week, or do I want to make eighty hours a week? You have to really look at your life, understand, do you want to hit the road? Do you want to be close to home? Do you want to work in a factory? Do you want to work outdoors? So um, like I said, there's pros and cons to it. But the good thing is the opportunity is there for those that want to achieve it. One of the things that really when it comes to wages that people have to understand about skilled trades is the job itself. So for example, we have entry-level positions, we have mid-level positions, we have higher-level positions within uh, the trades area, and it's educating individuals what that really means. And one of the hard pieces to all of this is it requires a skill set. And if you look at education in, in general, so when it comes to educating a skilled tradesperson, they, there are very few places to become formally trained. And that formally, the, the formal training that a person gets, most often than not, is entry level. It is not for that mid-level position. It's not for that advanced level position. And that's what Brad's talking about in terms of acquiring uh, the higher, wanting the higher page positions does take time. And it is an unwritten rule in the trade area that you will work for a period of time before you're offered another position. Where Brad was speaking to earlier about the uh, cryogenics uh, facility needing highly skilled welders. If you take a nuclear welder as an example, it takes almost nine years to train that individual. And if that person is already 56 years old, that puts them at 64 before the next person is ready to replace them. And this is happening all across the United States where it takes such a long time to train and upskill the current workforce. So you would take a trained welder and then nine years later have them ready for another level of expertise. So with that comes higher wages. So uh, just knowing uh, the market that you're in. Take Central Ohio, for example. Not uncommon for a welder, skilled tradesperson to make an average of forty-five dollars to $48,000 a year. Now, they may go to another locality across the United States and make more money. But what are they? what is the trade-off? Cost of living? There are a lot of different factors that go into a higher wage. So um, I'm going to encourage anyone to look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and look at that BLS.gov. It, it is monitored and you can get an accurate picture of the work needs for a given uh, career field. And that's any, that is any career field. So it's not just limited to the skilled trades, which is nice. But if that is an interest, it is a concrete uh, tool to help you gauge uh, what's the difference between Cincinnati, Columbus, and Cleveland, Dayton. Um, again, you can pick your locality and, and pick your wage based on where you want to live.
One thing I've always thought about skilled trades is that if you're a welder, a welder is a welder is a welder. But what I'm hearing from both of you is that there actually is a lot of upward mobility, not just in wages, but in experiences and in skill level and what someone is is capable of doing and the kinds of work that they can get. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, you are. You're absolutely hearing that correctly. And that is with uh, all of our particular crafts. So if you take plumbing, for example, um, you can get into various forms uh, of plumbing if you want to do more of the geothermal. Now that we're getting into um, solar-powered and just more eco-friendly environments, that's going to take on its own uh, shape. Likewise with electrical. So you can get into data communications. You can be an electrician. You can be an industrial electrician, uh, much like a carpenter. So carpentry gets into rough framing, finished carpentry. Uh, So there's a lot of unique opportunities that if a person is passionate about working with their hands, uh, we call it selling dirty work. Don't mind getting up every day, um, going to work clean, coming home dirty. Um, It's a lot of unique environments. And even within the trades, there's also clean working environments. So it's not all dirty, uh, but there are, uh, even though it's kind of the norm, but there are, exceptions to that. Uh, For example, if we get into uh, food grade or pharmaceutical uh, companies that we're doing work for, a very clean environment. Brad, you teach high schoolers and adults. Do you find that people are moving into skilled trades because they're motivated by money or because they don't consider themselves college material or because they already know that they like working with their hands? What do you see in your students? That's a great question. And honestly, I see all of them. Everything that you mentioned, I got some students that, you know, they're in high school and they's like, I I just don't like sitting at a desk. I want to be up. I want to be active. I want to learn with my hands. Um, Other students, they like, Say, I'm going to go to work right after school. I need to find something to do in order to, you know, they're looking at their future. I also have students that are college bound that want to get the the next step up. A couple years ago, I had a student named Owen. He knew he wanted to be an engineer. Uh, On top of that, he knew he wanted to be a welding engineer. So he knew how much money they made. So I think that's what made it attractive to him. Uh, the other thing that he wanted to get in the program is he's like, I know engineers know stuff about welding, but I don't know any welding engineers that actually know how to weld. So at 16, he's figured this out. One way to get one step above his class, his future classmates was to get in the welding program, get the hands-on experience. And I tell you what, he's, he uh, enrolled into uh, Ohio State University welding engineering program, which very few people know is one of the top welding engineering programs in the world. Um, And he's done very well. He's won numerous scholarships. He's in Germany right now. And he told me, um, he just texted me the other day. He's like, I have, I haven't even graduated yet. I have a whole nother year and I already have a guaranteed six figure job offered to me by the time I graduate. And it's just little things like that. Looking into your future, what do you want to do? How much money you want to make? Where do you want to go? And, I mean, at 16, I was nowhere near mature enough to make those kinds of looking into my future and figure out what I want to do. Um, but the kids these days, like I said, it's not just for skilled trades, it isn't for students that 
aren't quote unquote college material. Um, it, it's for everybody. Um, adults, I get a lot of adults that come out of the army. They do their, they do their service in the military. They come out, they get their GI bill and you know, they learn in the army, you know, they're, they're used to doing some hard work. They like working with their hands. So they want to find a skilled trade. So I get a lot of uh, students, um, and adults from the military that want to get into it. Um, and really I even have some, some students after they leave high school, they find a job and they realize this is a dead end job. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So they want to change careers. So what better way than to either do a test drive and figure out if they like welding or, you know, get the formal training in order to uh, change their path. So there's no one way or one student that I get. It's a wide variety of students. Um, the other thing I want to bring up is females. That's another thing in skilled trades. A lot of people, when they think of skilled trades, they think of the dirty, the dirty construction worker that comes home uh, all dirty. And usually that vision is a male. Um, skilled trades isn't just for males. Um, there is uh, plenty of opportunity for females. I've had plenty of female students. And honestly, they have all fared very well, if not better than their male counterparts. So um, that, that's another thing that um, that. I like to get out about skilled trades is uh, it's for everybody. No, no back, no matter what your background is, no matter what your gender is, um, it's it's really can be for anybody. Well, you said the phrase "dead end," and that's I think that's what I'm trying to get at. It sounds like skilled trades are anything but a dead end. That's so true, and I think what a huge misconception for a lot of people, uh, and even myself, was the self-worth. Uh, for many years, I had completed an apprenticeship program. I was considered a journey person. Uh, but because I didn't have a college degree at the time, it was as if society said, you're not good enough. You don't have a college degree. Um, but as I look back on my own career, I'm, I've said and come to the realization, okay, at 21, I bought my first house. Uh, I was paid as if I had completed a master's program at the age of 21. I'm like, okay, that it just never made sense to me that society would label a, a, a group of individuals so harshly and tell them that you don't measure up. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, especially as we walk into some very impressive structures uh, in this country. And, and quite frankly, in the world that was built by skilled labor. Um, not bad for a group of people that were destined to go nowhere. Um, so yeah, the term dead end, and we've heard that a lot throughout our career, and it does take, a, it does take its toll. Um, and those of us that have gone on and, um, obtained higher education, I'll use myself as an example. I have a master's degree in, in business management, but at the end of the day, I'm still a welder and that's where I started. And what's really ironic is when I look to actually make money, it's not with my business degree. It's with my welding that did not require a college education, which is, again, really unfortunate that we, we have been labeled 
as not uh, substandard people within society, and they're really not. And that's uh, so. To Brad's point, when you look at all the demographics and uh, identifiers, whatever you identify yourself as, you can be successful in the trade market, and there is a place for you if you're willing. And the key word is if you're willing to work hard. It's not going to be given to you. Uh, you will earn everything that you obtain through the trades. So what do you say uh, to parents that, let me start that again. What do you say to parents that have these concerns for their children or that have actively discouraged their kids from pursuing skilled trades or maybe have some of these preconceived misconceptions or misunderstandings about the trade skills. When I taught high school, I had many conversations. When I taught high school, I had many conversations with parents about this very topic. When they were trying to accept that their son or daughter wanted to do a trade, they were very reluctant about it. They would ask questions. Now, what if my son or daughter want to go on to college? They can't. What if my son or daughter decides that they don't like this? That's okay. What a better opportunity than at the high school level to experiment with your future. It's not going to cost you anything. And if you decide at 16, 17, 18 years old that this is not for me, well, then you know what direction you can still go. And what does end up happening, and this is what I share with the individuals that I now advise at the collegiate level, is especially if I know there's still high school students, experiment in high school. It's, it's free education, technically. Once you go to post-secondary, it's now going to come out of your pocket and it becomes an expensive process to figure out, is this what I want to do? And if you then end up saying no, it's now how much more money are you going to invest before you figure out what you do want to do? So what I try to advise parents on, especially if they have high school age students, is let them exploratory learning at, at a young age is critical. No one knows what they want to do. I know at 18, I found out that when I first struck an arc, I got a fire in my belly and it was the best thing I ever did. And now I am 27 years into the profession. I love it. I'm still as excited today doing this as I was the first time I ever learned how to do it. So I would, from my experience, you know if this is something that you want to do, it is also convincing those that love you, want to do what they think is in your best interest, but allowing them that freedom is huge. Letting them explore it, and especially at the high school level, is, is critical, I think. Did you want to add to that? <clears throat> I have to explain to parents, uh, especially around this area, because um, most of the parents have college degrees. And just because the parents have college degrees, guess what path they expect their, their 
sons or daughters to go. They expect them to go to college because that's what mom and dad did. Um, things thing is, times have changed. Um, you know, mom and dad went to college. I'm sure they had student debt that they had to pay on for quite a bit. Um, students now, if they go to a trade school or get some technical education, uh, they don't have college debt. The, um, you're at least the hundred thousands of dollars of college debt that a typical bachelor's degree would cost. Uh, welding school afterwards, if you go to Columbus state, um, here in Ohio, obviously the uh, credit hours are, are pretty fair when it comes to, uh, college credit hours for the cost of it. Uh, if you go to a welding school, they're typically five to nine months in training and under $20,000. So in less than a year, you can start your training, graduate, get your first job. And a lot of times within that very first year of employment, you can pay off your, your loans if you have any. And then from there on up, it's all profit. Where my wife, she's still, you know, she's below 40 and she's still paying college loans. They have formed that four-year degree. So, I mean, that's that's a huge positive that um, a lot of parents don't think about. And I think a lot of more people are starting to understand that college debt adds up. And as Scott alluded to, he has a degree in business, but he rarely, the money that he makes rarely comes from that business degree. It comes more from the skilled trades degree, which could probably cost, I don't even know, probably a tenth of, of what that... <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, in his case, during the apprenticeship, it cost him zero. Yeah, I, I mean, was paid to go to school, which was, I mean, when you think about it, to to what, what I guess what, if I'm hearing Brad correctly, and I think if I hear what I said in my head correctly, is there are opportunities to have your fund your schooling paid for. You can go to work and get paid uh, while you're going to school. Um, it's it that's not a bad thing. Yeah, return on investment. I mean, you know, a technical school versus a four-year college degree. I mean, within the first ten years, I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. So, how would you advise a young person, let's say an older high school or somebody that's just graduated, and they didn't have an opportunity or they don't have opportunities at their own school? to explore the skilled trades? What can a young person do to see if it's something that's for them? I advise students to do a couple Sorry, different... I, I... Yeah, I advise a couple students. I advise students to do a couple different things. The first thing I advise them to do is get involved with either the Boy Scouts, a 4-H program, um, get involved uh, with hopefully their uh, ag program at a school if they have one. What's unfortunate today is uh, industrial arts is gone. There's not very many programs for students to take that. The other piece, too, is talk to their counselor. If they know uh, that they have an interest of doing something different, go see Brad at the Career Center. Just schedule a meeting uh, with, with the high school uh, career centers and get just get in there to see what what they have to offer now if they don't know what exists uh, from that respect um, i believe george lucas uh, has created a like a robotics space online for kids there's a lot of different programming out there to help tap into the creative mind 
I think what you'll find a lot with skilled tradespeople's we're wired differently um, in terms of our interests. You'll see us fidgeting. We'll take apart a fan. We might not get it back together and it worked correctly, but we like to tinker with things. So if you see that those characteristics in your son, daughter, that might be a tip off to uh, at least know that they're driven more towards a kinesthetic form of learning. Talk to the counselors and talk to the career centers. Um, we did away with the labeling of joint vocational school years ago. The reality is, and we have a, I hate to call it a running joke at the college, but we are the best master degreed technical program. We, we upskill a lot of master degreed people in, in the state of Ohio. They come to us because they need skills. So likewise at the Career Center, Brad had mentioned a lot about adult programming. Um, you may even find that, that the parents had no idea that they also have a lot of similar interests. And if you have an opportunity to do that with your son or daughter, uh, get right in there with them. It's kind of fun. In order to find those opportunities available to the students, I recommend, uh, like Scott said, visit your local career center. Um, they're everywhere. Uh, I didn't take advantage of it in high school. Honestly, I had no idea what they were. First time I was ever in a career center um, was my first interview. And I walked into the building. I couldn't believe what what was in store. Like they had labs for firefighting that had fire trucks and ladder trucks in it. They had a construction lab that had a house that the students were building. They had uh, automotive technician class that had, you know, up-to-date cars. They had a Mustang Cobra. They had all kinds of uh, brand new cars. They had uh, the hybrid cars that were donated from Honda. Um, cosmetology, it looked like a real um, beauty school. Like uh, you walk into um, uh, a beauty salon. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, and this is set up for juniors and seniors in high school. And I'm like, what a great learning opportunity. And I tell my students, you know, multiple times a year, I tell them that I'm jealous of them because they here they are, 16, 17, 18 years old, figuring out what they want to do after graduation before graduating and getting a hands-on test, test drive to find out if they really like it. And I was like, I had no idea as a high school student, these opportunities were available to me. I just, I just had no clue. And then I hear a lot of students uh, and parents that come in for tours um, in person. They walk into the school, they walk into the labs, they see the equipment, they see everything we have. They're blown away as well. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of miseducated parents and students, and it's no fault of their own. And you don't know what you don't know. But if you go into the building, you see the labs, you understand like, oh, my gosh, this is some really cool stuff. This is really good equipment. This can really prepare my son or daughter or even myself in some programs um, for a brighter future. So that's um, that's what I think about about how we can get them more educated in the community as far as getting them in there, understanding them more. I didn't get into welding till I was 25. And that's after I went to four colleges and, you know, I, I told you college wasn't for me. I, I had fun in college. I didn't go to class, though. I went for all the wrong reasons, but that's what I was supposed to do. And I went to college because I didn't I'm goal oriented. I didn't have a goal. I didn't know what I was going to college for. But these students, they get in there. They realize that's what they want to do. Hey, I want to be a welder. I, kn I know that at 16. Well, guess what? Your path has already started. You haven't even graduated high school yet. 
My path didn't start till 25. I wasted seven years before my path got started. So yeah, that's why I'm super jealous of my students. And I tell them this is a great opportunity. No, I just hope people just know that the, you know, the trades just in general are a good, solid career move, career choice. There are opportunities. I believe that we try to be very conservative in terms of uh, how we portray the trades. We try not to give false impressions. Uh, we don't want to oversell it. We don't, we probably undersell it more than we oversell it and make it sound, we try not to make it sound to be something that it's not. And uh, we usually draw a lot on our worst days to say this is kind of what it could be like <laughs> within, the, within the trade programs. So yeah, just trying to make sure that people are aware of the opportunities, they do exist. And um, it has, it's fed my family. So uh, very happy and very privileged to work in it. Brad, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such an informative time of learning more about what's happening with skilled trades and what the needs are nowadays. A new episode of Navigating Your Child's Education comes out the first and third Wednesday of each month. Make sure to subscribe and like on your favorite podcast platform.